Thank you, Ruthann, for ministering in music. In light of the cross, in light of Christ and what he has done and so on, we won't focus directly on that this morning, but in recent weeks and months, we have been discussing the resources that we have in Christ, talked about manhood, womanhood, fatherhood, motherhood, childhood. The last couple of weeks, we talked about impacting future generations. And underlying all of that is the gospel of Christ. Without the gospel, we have no resources. We can't be godly men and women, fathers and mothers, children and so on. And the gospel involves a message. It involves conviction by the Holy Spirit. It involves relationships, and it involves transformation. The gospel involves a creator God, as we discussed in three, four weeks ago. We're talk, we talked about sin, separation and the fall. We talked about God's grace, his pursuit of humans. We talked about Jesus Christ, his character, and his work on the cross, and his future glory. Then three weeks ago, we talked about repentance and faith. This morning, we want to talk about relationships. When we think about the gospel of Christ, what happens? A couple of questions, thought questions, not looking for response. What takes place when a dead sinner repents and trusts in Christ? What takes place when a dead sinner repents and trusts in Christ? Is salvation reconciliation about escaping hell and going to heaven? Are you spiritually in spiritual death or in spiritual life today? So why should you listen to check to see if you have life? What you believe concerning the transaction at salvation and reconciliation impacts deeply how you live in the present. Now, the third reason, there have been several false teachings around for many years that have and continue, continue to deeply impact many churches. As we know the truth, will recognize that, with, that which is incorrect without even dwelling on it. But we want to focus this morning on relationship with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. There's a second relationship involving salvation and reconciliation, and that is with the body of Christ. And there's a third one, a relationship with the world. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 17, the Gospel of John chapter 17. As we reflect on the relational aspect in salvation and reconciliation involving God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 17, 
Well, we'll go back to 13. 13 through 16 come together in the sense that Jesus is preparing his disciples for the time when he will not be on this earth. In chapter 13, he showed the full extent of his love. He washed their feet. Chapter 14, he comforted them by promising the Holy Spirit. Chapter 15, he talks about the vine and the branches. Chapter 16, he again talks about the Spirit. And in chapter 17, we have what could be called the Lord's Prayer or his high priestly prayer. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 17, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, (coughs) Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you have granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, here we find Jesus is talking to his Father, and he makes a request, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Grain him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given to him. In verse 3, he defines eternal life. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Sometimes you hear eternal life. Well, I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I have eternal life. Jesus says, no. He says, eternal life. What is it? That you may know the only true God, and Jesus Christ. Eternal life is knowing God, knowing Christ. The text is not talking about knowing about God or knowing about Jesus, but knowing Jesus. Most of us here know about President Clinton, former President Clinton. We know about former President Bush. We know about President Obama, but none of us, I don't think any of us know him or know them. We know about them. See, we can know about Christ. We can know what he did on this earth. We may know what he did on the cross. But Jesus says eternal life is to know God, to know Christ. There's a relationship. There's intimacy. There's experience. There's understanding. You intimately relate to God, to Christ. You experience him in day-by-day living. It's not knowing about God, knowing everything about Jesus, but experiencing in day-by-day living. That's eternal life. So you're playing a computer game in the computer, for those of you who play computer games. And as you're playing the computer game, it comes up, you know, you're going to have to kill. And you think, hmm, that doesn't seem to be like God's character. And I'm experiencing Christ here. And you say, I don't think I want to play that game, even though I'm not actually killing people. That's 
communication. You get a pay raise and you think, ah, boy, I got this pay raise. And then you think, you know, God's concerned about this pay raise. Jesus is concerned about this pay raise. They want me to experience them, that my joy is in them, not merely in the money. No, it's experiencing him day by day. He says that's eternal life, to know God and Jesus Christ. And notice what he says in verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, before Jesus goes to the cross, he says, I've completed the work you gave me to do. We many times think of the work of Christ as what he did on the cross. But here he, you know, talks about it as though it's already completed. But notice what else he says. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Have we considered that God is glorifying Jesus with the cross? That the cross, his death, his crucifixion, his resurrection, all are related to glorifying the Father. In the midst of suffering and paying the penalty for sin, he glorifies the Father. Now let's go to another book that John wrote, over to 1 John, and see what he says about eternal life, what he says about salvation and reconciliation and what is involved. 1 John chapter 1, now begin with verse 1. And John is writing so that the joy of the disciples could be complete and so that people may know that they have eternal life. Notice in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. So John says that which was from the beginning, we have heard, we have seen, we have looked at and our hands have touched. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. From the beginning, we have heard him, we have seen him, <clears throat> our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The one who was seen, the one who was heard, the one who was touched, the one they proclaimed is the word of life. Who is Jesus? Word of life. Verse 2, the life appeared. This word of life appeared, we have seen it. And testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now we have seen the life. This is, that is the word of life. We have testified concerning the word of life, who is Christ. And we proclaim to you eternal life. Who is Jesus? Eternal life. Go back to chapter 5 of 1 John, verses 11 and 12. Chapter 5, 11 and 12. And this is a testimony God has given. This is a testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. 
we proclaim to you the eternal life. We proclaim to you Christ. We proclaim to you the one who is life. And he says at the end of verse 2, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John and the other ten disciples saw Christ. They related to him. They touched him. They heard him. They saw him. Notice what he says in verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. What did they see and hear? The word of life, eternal life, Jesus Christ. So that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Notice again in verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. We proclaim to you Jesus. We proclaim to you the word of life. We proclaim to you eternal life so that you may have fellowship with us. Then an interesting statement in our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The word fellowship means partnership communion, participation with. We want to have participation with each other, with you. We want to have communion with you. We want to have a partnership with you. But he says our fellowship is with the Father. Our participation is with the Father. Our participation is with the Son. Our participation Rather, our communion is with the Father and with the Son. We're partners with God and with Jesus. That's relationship. Do you ever think about communicating with God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, and Christ who died on the cross? That's eternal life. Fellowship, relationship. Just the whole issue of participation with God. That's relationship. Participation with Jesus, that's relationship. It's where John's coming from. He's talking about relationship. Participation with. So when we talk about eternal life, we talk about salvation, we talk about reconciliation, we're not talking about escaping hell and going to heaven primarily. We're talking about a relationship with the God of the universe, with Christ. I don't know about you, but that's far beyond what we may have been told many times. Ah, you're saved, Dan, yes. I have a relationship. I have participation with, I have communication with, communion with the God of the universe, Jesus Christ. You say, what about the Holy Spirit? Let's go back to the Gospel of John again because I said that salvation 
Reconciliation involves relationship with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, we find that again, Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he will not be on earth. And in verse 15, John 14 and verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, because you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He loves me with or he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Clearly stated, the Spirit of God is going to come for the 11. Now go over to chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, verses 26 and 27. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So he's talking about the counselor coming, the Holy Spirit, yet future. Look at chapter 16 and verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. You know, the spirit is yet future. We won't turn there, but you could turn to Acts chapter 2. And we find in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit did come. And the apostles spoke with boldness. Now, we're living beyond the day of Jesus. We're living beyond the day of Pentecost. What is true of the Spirit today? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians Chapter 1. <clears throat> Ephesians 1 and verse 13, we're leaping into context where Paul is talking about what believers have in Christ. And in verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance on the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So we're included in Christ, the Ephesians, and I think believers today were included in Christ when the word of truth is heard, the gospel of salvation, and then you're marked with a seal. What happens? The Spirit of God comes to live within the believer as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come in the future. Well, he said, that's nice. The Holy Spirit lives within me. But remember, we have fellowship with the Father. We have fellowship with Jesus. Do we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit? 
Well, let's not take my word or anyone else's word. Let's go to the next book in the Bible, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And I will begin with verse 1. Philippians 2 and verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So the repentant, believing sinner is united with Christ. Placed in Christ. Christ in them. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any fellowship, or I'm sorry, if any comfort from his love, if any comfort from the fact that God loves you unconditionally, if you have any comfort from that, and then he says, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any communication with the Spirit, if any communion with the Spirit, if any participation with the Spirit, the same word is used here for fellowship as in 1 John chapter 1. And verse 3, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any communication with the Spirit, participation in the Spirit, partnership with the Spirit, communion with the Spirit. Not only does the Spirit live within us, He's not only deposit, we relate to Him. He relates to us. If you have any fellowship with the Spirit, Paul assumes that that is true. That's part of the Christian life. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. This week, as I was going about my daily duties or responsibilities and trying to be sensitive to God. I was sitting at my desk. I was doing some things and I thought, you know, I need to drop a note to so-and-so. And I, I said, Lord, you know, I don't need, I don't think I need to drop a note to them. And some of us like, Spirit said, yes, you do. Write a note of encouragement. They need it. I said, okay, I'll write a note of encouragement. I wrote a note of encouragement, addressed the envelope, stuck it in the mail. And the next day it went out in the mail, and the following day got a call. And the person said, uh, just want to thank you for dropping that note. It came at a very critical time in my life. See, that's partnering with the Spirit of God, being sensitive to the Spirit of God, just in day by day living. See, you have a relational struggle in your family, and you're kind of butting heads with one another, and you're ready to tear into them. And all of a sudden you think, I shouldn't do that. Have you ever considered that that is the Spirit of God working in you?
You've had the squabble and you've said unkind words. Both of you have said unkind and cutting words. And as you're sitting there, you're thinking, oh, I'm supposed to only use building words. And I didn't use building words. I used cutting words. And you think, I need to go and apologize. And you go to your mate or your kids or to your parents and say, no, I'm really sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? That's fellowship with the Spirit. We're not left in a vacuum. We don't live alone. We have fellowship with God, with Jesus, with the Spirit of God. That's what eternal life is. That's what salvation and reconciliation is, a relationship with God, with Jesus, with the Spirit of God. So there's just a dependency upon Christ. The other Monday night, I had a funeral. I may have mentioned this to some of you, for Bob Ferguson, his father Jack had passed away. But Bob was a 50-year-old, was in his bathroom <clears throat> on a Friday afternoon, and his daughter heard something and went to the bathroom door and couldn't get the door open. Dad, what's wrong? He died. Massive heart attack. And as I thought about the funeral, I thought, here's a grieving son and daughter and a grieving wife and some grieving people. I don't know them well. What do I say? Lord, I'm not sure how to handle this. What should I do? How do I minister? I ended up speaking, and I think I ministered because of my fellowship with God. See, that wasn't something that God was unconcerned about. He's concerned about day by day. You're getting ready for school tomorrow. You're getting ready for work tomorrow. Or whatever you're going to do tomorrow. And as you're getting ready, you, the thought crosses your mind, you know, today is the day that God has made. And as I work and as I go to school, I need to be concerned about his glory. Do you ever consider that that is a fellowship with the Spirit of God? That he's at work in you. See, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are not merely concerned about the big things in life. They are concerned and want to communicate with us and participate in our lives in the day-by-day, moment-by-moment living. We're in Christ. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have unconditional acceptance, which includes discipline from the Lord. But unconditional acceptance. How many people in your life do you know, love you and accept you, period. So, Anita, whatever happened with the book, what's the big deal? We're to accept. So, Ruth Ann, <laughs> I'm hesitating for a reason. <laughs> So Ruth Ann is unkind to me and says some unkind things to me. That's not her norm, by the way. <laughs> I'm to love her. I'm to accept her. Because God does. So it's part of relating to God, to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Unconditional acceptance. It also involves unconditional love. 
God just loves us unconditionally. What can I do? What can you do if you're a believer in Christ to make God love you more? Nothing. What can you do to make him love you less? Nothing. See, that's part of eternal life. It's part of relating to God, relating to Christ, relating to the Holy Spirit. Salvation and reconciliation is very, very rich. It goes far beyond escaping hell and going to heaven. If you limit salvation to that, it's like having a mud pie in the field. God says, I give you a relationship with me, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. I'm offering you a steak meal. Don't settle for the mud pie. The salvation and the reconciliation that is possible through repentance of sin and faith in Christ due to the conviction of the Holy Spirit is so very, very rich. So why listen? To check to see if you have life. Living people know if they have life. Living people know that they have life. Jerry, you want to come up here a minute? Are you alive, Jerry? Yes. You are? You're sure? Yep. Let me test you. How, tell me when it hurts. Now. Now. Thank you. You may sit down. No, he has life. You know, you poke him or pinch him or whatever. He, it's life. We have life. When the Spirit works in our life, when Christ works in our life, God works in our life, and we respond indicative of life. Do you have it? Is there a relationship with God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit? Or is Satan your primary relator, your father? Do you have life? We'll skip a few things here and go to the next one. What you believe concerning the transaction at salvation and reconciliation impacts deeply how you live in the present. I've come into a relationship with God, into a relationship with Jesus, in relationship with the Holy Spirit that makes a difference in how I live today. But if I see salvation and reconciliation as merely escaping hell and I'm going to heaven, that's all beyond the present. But a relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is in the present. It influences us day by day. What we believe is so very, very critical. So there's a difference and being saved from sin versus being saved from hell and secure versus perseverance. When you hear the word term or term salvation, reconciliation, think a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Think 
fellowship with God, fellowship with Christ, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. To this day, it blows me away when I stop and think about the greatness of God's salvation and reconciliation. Have you experienced it? Are you in Christ? If not, why not trust Him today? If you are in Christ, then live it and share it day by day on the job, while you shop, while you drive, while you're in school, and so on. What a great salvation. What a great reconciliation we have in Jesus Christ. As we close, I would pose a question. Has the Lord spoken to you? If so, how are you going to respond? Yes, Lord, I'll respond. Yes, Christ, I'll respond. Yes, Spirit, I'll respond. Or no, I won't. Let's pray together.